would like to start today by reading a story from the book Bambi by Felix Salton. A pheasant dashed up. He had come from where the danger was the worst and was beside himself with fear. Don't try to fly, he shouted to the others. Don't fly, just run. Don't try to fly, just run, run, run. Don't lose your head, screamed the pheasant. And at the same time, his voice broke with a whistling gasp and spreading his wings, he flew up with a loud whirr. Bambi watched how he flew straight up, directly between the tree, beating his wings. The dark metallic blue and greenish-brown markings on his body gleamed like gold. His long tail feathers swept proudly behind him. A short crash like thunder sounded sharply. The pheasant suddenly crumpled up mid-flight and then dropped violently to the earth. He fell among the others and did not move again. Hello, you are listening to Storming the Gates. It's a podcast about applying prophetic prayer. And this is a series on the book of Esther, where we are currently taking a deep dive into chapter five. And I'm your host, Joni Scott. It is good to have you here once again on the next installment of our series for such a time as this. When I was growing up, I really loved the book Bambi. And as you can see, it doesn't gloss over the hardships of life, but it tells the story of an orphan fawn and how he grew into a mighty stag as he conquered the difficulties and joys of forest life. I'm going to get back to that story in a minute. But first of all, Christmas is less than two weeks away. Ah, I have so much to prepare and do, as I'm sure many of you do too. So next week, I'm planning a special gift for you glorious listeners out there. I'm going to share a couple Christmas stories from when I was raising my brood of five. And we were pole folk, to be sure. Yet God came through for us in wonderful ways. I would also love to hear any special Christmas stories that you have. My email and Twitter handle will be in the show notes below. Well, with that, let's take a peek into this life of Esther, shall we? Just this past week, some happened that really made me kind of glimpse the world of Esther. There was a case, and it was from Texas, and it was put forth to the Supreme Court, and 20 states joined them. Well, I was as shocked as anyone when the Supreme Court pushed this case off the table, saying Texas has no standing. I mean, Texas? Okay. But anyway, I listened to a talk show host say that he believed the justices were afraid They were afraid in this day and age to take up a volatile political challenge. And despite the high position of authority, or perhaps because of their high position, it can be all the more challenging to step into the politics of the day, especially when it's controversial. And that's exactly what our heroine Esther did. I think of her there in the king's royal hallway, bathed and perfumed and dressed to kill in the atrium. And she could have played it safe. She could have concealed her nationality. She could have made an excuse to stay home and have her slaves fan her with palm branches and feed her figs. Instead, she considered Mordecai's words when he told her, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. She wasn't visited by angels. She wasn't given a prophetic dream that we know of anyway. But she does what she has now determined is right. 
because it is right. Because Mordecai has raised her to trust God and even be willing to risk it all for him, as Mordecai himself does each day when he refuses to bow to Haman. So Esther stepped forth and said, If I perish, I perish. Now, we know from Esther 5, verse 1 through 3, that the king was not angry when she approached him. In fact, to use a word from the book Bambi, he was twitterpated. When he beheld his lovely queen, he offered her the golden scepter and says, What is it you wish? Even to half the kingdom, it shall be yours. What would you do if the world's greatest ruler offered you up to half his kingdom? Well, I'll take a horse stable, my lord, and a trip to the Bahamas. And of course, I'll purchase an orphanage or something noble. Well, let's read what Esther's response was in chapter 5, verse 4 through 8. So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I shall prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. So she doesn't tell him even at the banquet. And then she invites him to yet another banquet. So with such an obvious answer to prayer that the king would say whatever you want. What does Esther ask for? Drum roll. Would you like to come to dinner? What dinner? I picture the maidens at the house being like, what do you say? What do you say? Well, I invited them to dinner. Surely at that dinner, Esther is going to spring her request on the king and tell the king what a terrible human Haman is. So drum roll. She invites him back to dinner the next night. I really have to say, I do not understand her strategy here. I mean, I read the end of the book. I know it all works out, but I still have to stop and consider this. What was that girl thinking? Was she just scared? I mean, why not just tell it like it is? So I was thinking about our own king, Jesus, who was always ready and willing to lift his golden scepter to his children. Yet when his beloved comes to him, he desires first and foremost our love. In Psalm 91, it says, because he has set his love on me, therefore will I deliver him. Well, we know King Ahasuerus' heart leapt within him when he saw his beautiful bride. If she let out with a giant request, Dotty, get me a squirrel. I want one of those squirrels. Get me one. Well, that the request does not come from a place of relationship and mutual trust. Esther is uh, schmoozing, shall we say. She didn't want to just unravel her Christmas list. She's letting the king know she honors him and that she holds him in high regard. Us wives would do well to understand this concept. And another reason is timing. In fact, the book of Esther is full of coincidental timing, as we shall see in coming chapters. 
Sometimes I want to say a thing to correct someone or to ask a favor, but I find I'm I'm silenced as I discern they may not be in the best frame of mind. Sometimes I'm not in a great state of mind. I need to be calm. I need to hear from God. I need to await his timing. Sometimes I have to talk to someone after God has worked his truth into my heart about the situation and has worked the anger out of me. And that's what I read in that story above. Fear, which Esther was surely feeling, it makes us want to hike up our skirts and run like the dickens. And when someone's in a huge hurry, even in the face of great danger, it only enhances that same danger. Take a look at Isaiah 30, verse 15 through 17. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Well, here in Isaiah, Nebuchadnezzar's army was breathing down the neck of what was left of Judah. They were terrified. They asked the prophet what he should do. And he had told them, stay. God is going to take care of you and you will find favor with the king. All right. So Isaiah 30 goes on to say, but you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee and we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. So um, those silly emotions got the best of them. That's like that pheasant in our story earlier that was telling himself, be calm, be calm, telling everyone else, be calm, be calm. But then he could no longer contain his rising fear. Just like the children of Israel, they took off and they were hunted down in the countries they fled to. And God, he went on to say this, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. I love that verse because God is saying, well, go ahead and run then, but I'll be right here waiting. And when you return to me, I will have mercy on you. I will give you justice and I will still bless you. And this is why what I call prophetic prayer is so important in the Christian's life. Because to follow God's direction and to know when to be still or when to run, you must enter that hallway and wait on the king. Wait for that golden scepter. Wait for his favor. Listen to him and trust what he says to you. Do not freak out. Don't go running after your own answers. Sometimes we don't even want to approach the king because we don't want to know what he's going to say about something. But that really doesn't help us. That just is like running in a different way. Years ago, a friend of mine told me an interesting story. She was about six months along with a new baby. And the family went together to the doctors for her ultrasound. With them was their three-year-old son. He wasn't reading yet, but he did know his letters. The family gathered excitedly to see the new child on the screen. But instead, they were met with terrible news. The unborn child had passed away. As the realization came to them all, and yet before the first tears could fall, their three-year-old seemed to be seeing something. He pointed into the air and began naming the letters he saw. 
B E N O T A F R A I D. This message, be not afraid, received in a most unusual way, enabled the family to endure the tragic loss and trust God in the midst. When the bad news comes, when you hear the sound of rifles firing in the distance and, and, and the footsteps of the hunter walking and the leaves behind you, remember, stay still. Press close to the Father. Be not afraid. Do not panic. Trust. Be quiet and be confident. Another way to put it would be what we read in Psalm 46, verse 10, where it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And of that, you can be confident. So Lord, I pray for confidence today in the hearts of your people. I pray for the things that are making them fearful. I pray for the unknown and the the rifle shots in the distance and the smoke in the air. Lord, that's all it is. It's smoke. And all it is is sound. But Lord, those things can be so scary. and, And I ask, Lord, that they will be quiet and confident in you, knowing that you love them, knowing that you are with them, that the shadows that they are in is only because your presence is so close that the shadow is falling on them. Lord, let them hear your voice. Let them know your will and your way in the days ahead. Well, God bless you, and uh, I'll look forward to Christmas with you next week. In the meantime, go stand in that hallway. <laughs>